0: On today's episode, I'm interviewing Dr. Barry Singer. He is an MS neurologist, as well as the director and founder of the MS Center for Innovations in Care at Missouri Baptist Medical Center. He's very well known as being a top neurologist that stays up to date on research and newest medications and therapies. He has been an investigator in more than 35 MS trials focused on new therapeutic options, including remyelination. On today's episode, we talk about advocacy and what to do if you feel like your neurologist or anyone on your healthcare team isn't listening to you or acting in your best interest, as well as talking about access to care and sexual dysfunction. Let's dive in. We know that Advocacy is really important, especially if you don't have an MS-trained healthcare team, an MS neurologist. So I'm curious to get your point of view as a neurologist. Do you have any tips on how patients can advocate for themselves when it comes to getting the services and therapies and anything that they need to help best manage their MS?
1: Yeah, I think this is really, really important, Gretchen. I mean, when I look at you know, who falls through the cracks in terms of MS care, I tend to see two groups of patients. I think we have some patients that, for example, that are in like inner city patients that have, don't have as much access to healthcare have trouble accessing uh, the system. I also have patients in rural areas. So I have a lot of patients come from rural communities. And you know, frequently, uh, particularly in these rural communities, like if someone goes to the general neurologist who may not be an MS expert, may not be necessarily up to date on all the different options out there. And I tend to see a lot of folks get unfortunately undertreated um, so they don't get access to the latest treatments in terms of options and sometimes by the time they show up in an MS center they've already accumulated a significant disability that's hard to reverse so at that point we're trying to slow down progression So I think it is important particularly if you got a lot of disease on your MRI scan you're um, you're not responding well to treatment that uh, you know it's always worthwhile sometimes getting that second opinion. Maybe it's too difficult to travel three hours for an appointment for, you know, twice a year or once a year, but at least get that input from a specialist. I think if you're really not doing well, instead of just kind of hanging out there on, uh, you know, on a treatment that's not controlling your disease. So I think that's important. I think it's also important when you go in your appointment, be prepared, come early, don't show up late. And so prepare ahead of time, write down a list of you know, maybe three things that are going to be really important to address at that appointment. Ask to see your MRI scan so you understand what the treatment's about. Have questions about your treatment. Is this the right treatment for me? What are the newer options? Is there a better option for me? Or is this the right path? You know, get your COVID questions answered. So I think there's, there's just a lot you can do in that appointment. But the more prepared, the better. I think it's also Frequently, a good idea if allowed. Uh, We're doing this now, and COVID is uh, allowing someone else to come into the room, or at least by phone, listen. So sometimes it's good to have another set of ears uh, to remember all the, you know, all the things that you kind of discussed at the appointment, and to be aware of that plan.
0: So, and you mentioned access, and I agree. Accessibility is sometimes the hardest part. What? Is telehealth like right now with neurologists? Are you able to see clients still via telehealth?
1: Yeah, so I used uh, we've used telehealth pretty extensively during the pandemic. So for a period of time, it was only telehealth, and so virtual visits. Um, You know, the advantage of it is we don't have masks on, so there's a little better communication there, but it's hard to do a real thorough neurologic exam, so um, we've pretty much been back in the office now, but there are some situations where virtual appointments are fine, particularly if someone's really relatively stable with their disease, and we also unfortunately have some people with advanced disability, maybe they're in a skilled nursing facility or... You know, where transportation, getting them into the center is very cumbersome and very difficult, sometimes requiring a transportation company to do that. So for those patients, uh, virtual is great, but we do get a better examination when you come into the center, but it can be an option, particularly if you live uh, long distance away. So we're kind of doing a little bit of hybrid, but uh, most days I'm seeing patients in the office on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, I agree. In-person is best, especially you can get your hands on them, feel what is happening, especially with things like spasticity weakness. How does it work for neurologists? I know with physical therapists, we can still do telehealth, but only with clients who live in the same state that we're in. With neurology, are you able to see clients across state lines?
1: Yeah. So it depends on the state. So I'm in Missouri and St. Louis. And so we have, we're able to Uh, see patients in Illinois and some other states. So it depends on uh, state-by-state process in terms of what's being allowed during the pandemic. For a while, I applied for privileges in California because I got patients out in California. And so I was doing some virtual visits there because it was hard for some people, especially early in the pandemic, not vaccinated on yeah. immunosuppressive meds. People didn't want to just necessarily fly in. I have a lot of patients who fly in for appointments. you know. So I think it's something that we definitely need to work on. It, I would like it to be open policy that you could see patients from other states. Um, but uh, unfortunately, there are some restrictions by state boards.
0: Yeah, that would be amazing. At least with again in the physical therapy world, there's such few physical therapists that are also MS certified specialists. And MSPT is so different from orthopedic PT. And so again, the accessibility, getting to someone who knows what you're dealing with and can help can be such a struggle.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. In fact, our therapists are MS certified and partners with the National MS Society it's, it's a world of difference. And I've had some patients who travel an hour each way for therapy because like, I mean, it was night and day in terms of how much improvement they got. And clearly some of my patients that have gait impairment, their few sessions with the physical therapist was the best thing that I've done for them. And they tell me, so, (laughs) so it's really, really important to have someone with some experience. It, It gets harder. Clearly, if you live far away, you know, how far can you go? price of gas these days is off the roof. So there's a number of factors that uh, unfortunately restrict that.
0: Yeah. So again, when it comes to advocating for ourselves, what if someone listening has anyone on their healthcare team, PT, neurologist, OT, speech, whatever, and they're just not listening, like they're asking for something or they're, they're saying that they have a symptom and the healthcare practitioner is just not doing anything about it. What would you suggest? What would the next step be if you feel like you're kinda at the end here?
1: You got to have a relationship with your healthcare providers that they're listening to, and so I think that's really important, especially in the world of MS. I mean, I I have some patients for 22 years now, so you know it's a long-term partnership. If it's a surgeon, you know they're playing uh, they're playing some music. You're asleep. You know I just want someone technically good, good hands. It doesn't have to be a you know that. <laughs> great uh, relationship that uh, doesn't have to be there so it's great if it, it does but it doesn't have to but with that uh, ms doc you want someone you can really partner with and so i think that's really critical so if you feel like you've hit the, the wall and you've tried and tried and you're not getting anywhere it's, i think it's time to find someone else to collaborate with, and that would be my recommendation. I mean, unless you know you're in an office, a physician assistant or nurse practitioner or someone else you can interact with, if you don't have a lot of options in your area, then that would be an option. Otherwise you got to hit the highway. <laughs> so yeah. what I recommend.
0: Now, is there a resource where someone can find an MS specialist in their area for neurology? I just recently had someone tell me this week that they had no idea that there were neurologists specialized in MS. And she, for years, had been seeing a general neurologist. So is there some place Online, someone can go
1: to find. Yeah, they, actually the National MS Society has on their website, they have a list of comprehensive MS centers that are MS certified. So there's a partnership. You can also contact the MSAA and they can help connect you to resources as well uh, the Multiple Sclerosis Association of America. So yeah, there's definitely resources out there to find them. Probably wouldn't be too hard to Google. <laughs> so usually you can find, kind of look out for those centers, uh, comprehensive MS centers.
0: Awesome. And yeah, I think the National MS Society, you put in your zip code, and it'll pop up with the ones closest yeah. to you.
1: Yeah, so I think that's it's a good way to, you know, good way. And you can always ask if you know other people living with MS. Um, you know, one advantage of a center, so we run a comprehensive MS center called the MS Center for Innovations of Care and at Missouri Baptist in St. Louis, and we take care of over 4,000 MS patients here, and we have a full staff. So I have three nurses that are answering the phone, including one that's a nurse navigator. We have two infusion nurses. We have four medical assistants, you know, two people doing prior authorizations. You know, we just have like about 18 staff really to help care for people living with MS. So, you know, having having those people that know how to navigate the systems, know how where the resources are, help get, you know, they can help get patients that can't afford medications, free medications. We can, the Multiple Sclerosis Association of America has a free MRI program. We know how to get durable medical equipment. So, People that are really uh, struggling out there, trying to access resources. I'm one advantage of hooking up with a comprehensive MS center is they would be able to tap into all these resources and help uh, help you get on the right road.
0: Yeah, and that just makes life so much easier if you have a whole team of people that have done this over and over again and can all help day long. You. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Is there something about MS management that you feel everyone should know, but it's just not talked about as frequently as you think it should be?
1: Well, I think the one symptom that's not addressed very frequently is sexual health. And so as you know, I'm the host of the MS Living Well podcast. So one of my podcasts was on sex and MS. And so I've done on symptom management and I actually interviewed a sex therapist and a urologist. And, and so one of the things I learn as i do podcast interviews myself is you learn more about the specific area of the field and and i found that i've been able to really pull that into my practice where i ask each patient about sexual health i mean maybe not a new patient with their parent you know 18 year old <laughs> with their parents sitting right there right. but but in general we uh talk about it. And I think it's really important. And many patients I've been able to help, uh, patients that have mobility issues that have been affecting positioning, some patients with pain, painful intercourse, and other patients that have decreased sensitivity, trouble achieving orgasm, which is sometimes due to antidepressant medications, and then guys with erectile dysfunction, um, trouble ejaculating. So all these different uh, symptoms that I've uh, made a big, a lot of progress in patients. You know, one woman, she was in her 70s, she said that part of my body I thought was dead. And now she's having a very fulfilling sexual relationship with her husband. So I think that's an important aspect that I think people are afraid to dive into, and maybe neurologists don't have the training that they should, but I think it's an important topic.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that can be really awkward to bring up. Is there, do you have like a phrase or a sentence that a person with MS could say that might be less scary to say to bring up this topic?
1: Well, you might say, you know, sexual dysfunction is kind of a generic term. So you might say, you know, uh, I've been having problems with my sexual health or sexual dysfunction. Think, you know, if you talk about it candidly, like when you're going through all the different symptoms, because I kind of tick them all off, numbness, weakness, balance problems, visual loss, you know, bladder problems, constipation, sexual dysfunction. So I just kind of put it in there like it's a natural part of things that we're looking at. I think if the provider feels comfortable with it, usually the patients feel pretty comfortable with it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, this has been so insightful. I've learned so much and been reminded of so many things. I feel like this will give a lot of our listeners hope and also things to think about and mention to their neurologist the next time they go to their appointment. As you mentioned, you're kind of all over. You've got a website, you have your own podcast. Where can people find you if they want to learn more?
1: All right, thanks, Gretchen. So a few different ways. So the website that I actually created for patient education is called mslivingwell.org. And I started in 2007, and it's been a resource on there. There's information about uh, managing symptoms, like we were talking about, um, understanding your MRI, understanding the disease, blog section, as well as links to the podcast. So, the podcast is called I Miss Living Well, and I started it about four years ago. and I interview over 50 people at this point and about different things, and some are symptoms of the, the disease. Last one was on aging and MS. I have one on diet just recently. And I tend to interview like leading global experts in the field as well as some patient advocates. Um, but generally, uh, global experts in that particular area recently. Uh, one on Epstein-Barr virus with Alberto Oscari, who actually uh, did the research on Epstein-Barr virus as a trigger for MS. So it's been uh, great to get uh, my colleague and some of our uh, great patient advocates on. And really, it's about providing um, information, just like this session, to to people living with MS. And then I'm also pretty active on Twitter, so at Dr. Barry Singer.
0: uh, You can follow me there. Awesome. And I will put all of those links in the show notes. So if anyone's listening and driving, don't, don't stop and don't, don't try to do it on your own. Uh, So I'll include the website, the podcast, the Twitter, and I've just got to say too, your website is amazing. You know, there's a whole section for the newly diagnosed, and then there's a separate section for understanding MS, what to expect. So it's a, a great resource. Your podcast is so varied, so many different types of conversations that are important to learn. So I, I'm a huge fan of everything that you do. So thank you so much for talking to us today and sharing your insights.
1: All right. Well, thanks, Dr. Holly. Thanks for all you're doing to educate the MS community. And that's that's really the goal. You know, knowledge is power. and believe that strongly uh, over my career is that uh, patients that are more informed, people living with MS that are more informed, make better decisions for themselves and better advocate mm-hmm. for their health care.
0: Absolutely.